Hallelujah. Glory. Well, let's give the Lord a great praise tonight. It's a Monday night, and we're in church. That's reason to shout. Amen. Remain standing with me. Grab your Bible quickly. We're going to, we're going to jump, and we're going to kick and scream. How many of you are ready for God to do a work in your life tonight? I got a feeling desperate people are the folks that come to church on a Monday night. Amen. I don't know anybody else but Pastor Dosick and Pastor Bagwell that have church on Monday night. Amen. Only two people left in America that do Monday night church. But I'm glad I'm here. I don't know about you. And I, I, I've got a feeling, I, I love to teach the word, and I got a feeling that there is a miracle, and I sense this, I sensed it last night, there is a miracle, not that's going to take place, that is taking place in this house. And I just believe, I believe, you know, listen, we, we preachers have faith to believe that God can use even donkeys, amen, to be a part of somebody's miracle. And I, I want you to just grab the hand of somebody standing next to you tonight. We're going to jump into the Word of God, but I want you to add faith to somebody uh, tonight. I, I, I believe that where two or three are gathered, he's in the midst. I believe one can chase a thousand and two can put ten thousand. I believe that when my faith is added to your faith, that it is not just addition, but it is multiplication in nature. Can we just pray and lift one another up tonight? Father, I don't know what you want to do tonight, but I know this. We're not here on accident. We're here by divine design. Let your glory fall in the room tonight. Let the power and the spirit of a risen God, let it explode into every heart in this room. Let your glory come. Let chains be broken. Let revelation come that shifts our perspective and gives us a look at what you desire to do and by faith let us ascend to it and everybody shouts amen. amen now give the lord a great 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 praise well i wore a sport coat long enough for you to know i have one amen mark chapter 2 I want to read just a few verses here tonight. We're going to kind of uh, we're going to kind of go uh, and where we left off last night. Is that all right? How many of you are ready to jump back in the pool tonight? Amen. Mark chapter two, familiar story to you, and I, I want to reiterate tonight. You understand that in the miracles of Christ, we have four books of the Bible that help us get acquainted with God in the flesh, the God that is with us. Every word in those four Gospels is laden with revelation. It's more than a historical account. You understand that there is prophetic richness that as in time that God leads us into to help us understand where we fit in here. You've got to know when you read the Gospels, you're in there somewhere. When I read the Gospels, I, I, read, I read Mark 2 five times again today. I said, Lord, where am I in this? 
Because I know there is a prophetic truth that leads us behind the veil to show us a right now thing for a right now people. Amen? And so I want you, as we read this, I want you to read it through those eyes. Where are we, God, in this story? If the acts of Jesus, if all of them were written, they wouldn't fit in the library. Then the ones that were written have great depth of meaning. Now watch, let's read. Verse number 1, again he entered in, into Capernaum. After some days and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word to them. And as they came to him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four, and when they could not come nigh to him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed where the sick of the palsy lay. Verse number 5, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Verse 11, and Jesus said, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thy house. And immediately he arose. Everybody say, immediately. Can I tell you the work that God is about to do in our lives is not a progressive work. It's, it's, it's an immediate thing. How many of you would like for God to do something right now, tonight? How many of you would like for faith to make win now and you stand in the middle of your breakthrough tonight? Immediately he rose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God and said, we've never seen it like this before. Lord, show us something we ain't never seen before. Just look at your neighbor and say, we're about to break the sound barrier. Amen? You can be seated. I feel like every time that I come here, I'm, I'm carrying something for a church. I feel like, you know, sometimes when I'm at my church, I'm there to preach to someone. But when I come to this church, I feel like I'm preaching to the corporate they, the house. Amen? Because I believe God has something in the future great for this place to do. And so I, I want to speak uh, prophetically over the house. We began last night talking about the sound of the season. When we stepped into 2020, we stepped into a season that was sound activated. I want you to know tonight you're living the sum total of the fruit of your lips. That didn't go over good over here. Let me work on that over here. You are living in the fruit of the sum total of the words that you speak over yourself of that, or that have been spoken over you. I want to remind you the power of life and death is in your tongue. Can I remind you of the authority that rests in your identity in Christ? You were made to have dominion and authority and the root of your authority is in your authorship, your words. In this season and we got to be careful the things that come out of our mouth. Why? Because we can steal the hand of God in our lives by speaking words that thwart the move that God is trying to make. Time for griping and complaining is over. 
Yeah, I got an amen section. I'm going to preach to y'all. I said the time for griping and complaining is over. You got to find the word. You got to get that word in your mouth. And you've got to refuse to speak anything else until your eyes see what you've been saying. Mark 11, 22 to 24 starts like this. Have faith in God. That's where it all begins. You've got to believe that what he said about you is absolutely true. You've got to believe that what he said you can have is absolutely true. You've got to believe that he has invested authority in you that we may expand the borders of the kingdom. We are not subject to the adversary's devices. We are more than conquerors, can I remind you, in Christ that loved us. This is a season that is voice activated. You'll not be able to look back and blame somebody for the fruit of the harvest of your season this year because your life, your future, your destiny is voice activated. That's the season. We talked last night. We began with three principles that I want to remind you of tonight. Three principles that we're kind of building what it is God sent me to only believe to say. And the first of those was that God requires that we participate in our own deliverance. We're a society that likes to blame everybody for the uh, shape that we're in, and we like a handout. Everybody likes a good handout. And so don't hear what I'm not saying. I believe in the healing line, and I love to lay hands on the sick, and I love to move in the gifts of the Spirit and prophesy. I love to move in the gift of wisdom, and I, I love to see tongues and interpretation. I love all of those things. But can I tell you, there's got to be a people that come to maturity that understand that you can come to God all by yourself and that you've got to participate in your own deliverance. I can lay hands on you and set you free, but it is you that has to walk freedom out in your everyday life. Every major deliverance, every major miracle in the Gospels, watch it. God designed you and I to participate in our own deliverance. He told the leper, go show yourself to the priest. That's participation. He said, go, go dunk seven times in the Jordan. It takes your participation. Amen. Bartimaeus had to cry out. That was his participation. You have to participate in your own breakthrough. And I can tell you this, when you get desperate enough, you don't care what it costs. You don't care who you got to move out of your way. You're going to get and touch the hem of his garment. You've got to participate. I want, to get, I want to see a people get desperate enough to say it don't matter what it takes. It don't matter what it costs. I'm going to participate in my own deliverance. Amen. Everybody, everybody else can't do it for you. Amen. I tell my folks all the time, now, I enjoyed feeding my babies when they were babies. But when you got to part the whisker to get the bottle in, something's wrong, somebody. Come on, talk to me. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you're grown enough to help in this thing. You're, you're grown enough to walk some of this stuff out. you got to participate in your own deliverance. The second thing we talked about was that God operates within times and seasons. How many of you believe that God is a time and season kind of God? Amen. He operates in times and seasons, both in the natural and in the spirit. And 
in those seasons, there are particular actions that he connects, meaning that there's some stuff in this season that I've got to do that may not have been required last season. Amen. If you've been praying like you've been praying for the last 10 years, it's time for a change. Your praise life, your worship life, all of that has an action that is connected to the season that we're in. And then thirdly, everything in the kingdom is preceded by a sound. You know, a sound kicks things off. Uh, the beginning of a sporting uh, athletic venture, you know, it's, it's a sound that kicks things off. I watched uh, 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 today for, uh, there's, a, there's some writing that I was doing in campaign. I watched a couple of Olympic 4x100 relay races. You know what lets, the, what, what lets those runners loose into the future of that race is a sound. Can I tell you tonight that you are about to make a sound that releases you into the future that God has called you to? Can we just practice for a minute? Let somebody in here make some noise. Yeah, I like it. Come on, make some noise till the devil knows you're coming. Make some noise till your future knows you're coming. <laughs> I want my future to know I'm coming and I'm coming healed. I'm coming free. I'm coming with victory. I'm coming with the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Now let's, let's pile these three principles into Mark chapter 2. Can we carry this forward? It's more than a story. It now becomes a prophetic declaration to you and I. Jesus walks into Capernaum. The word means village of comfort. God has got to interrupt the comfort of the body of Christ. Comfort is deadly. He's got to stir the nest. The Bible says like the eagle that stirs the nest. You know how vital that stirring is? If those chicks get comfortable, they'll get too big and they'll die in the nest. That eagle's got to kick them out of the nest so that the strength of their wings will bear them because if they don't, they'll never become what they were made to be. And I tell you, God's got to interrupt the village of comfort. God is about to show up to the body of Christ. Comfort has left us lethargic. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. I'm in somebody else's church and preaching like I'm at mine. The comfort has left us asleep. It's left us lethargic and lazy. Something's got to come and shake us. Amen. Jesus is interrupting the village of comfort. And when he... When he got there, the Bible says that there was a response to his presence. I don't like it when people sit in church and act like they're at the movies. I don't like it. Something is something agitating in me. Amen. Just remind your, your seat neighbor, just tell him you, you are in God's house. God is in this place. You know, I think we need to have a sign up every Sunday morning that reminds people God is in this place. Act accordingly. Amen. God is here. I want to shake people in my own church. I get a bad spirit. I have to pray it off me. Y'all pray with me. I want to ask them, what are you doing here? 
What did you come for? The show? Amen. What did you come for? Because you don't act like you know you are in the presence of the Most High God. God is here. Act accordingly. There's got to be, you know what? I, his presence, I'm preaching in the back row now, demands a response. I like it. More of it, please. His presence demands a response. How would you act if he walked in this room? Well, he did. Amen. Because he promised where two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be in the midst. He's here. His presence demands a response. Hallelujah. Jeremiah said, I tried to sit down and shut up, but it felt like fire shut up in my bones. I tried to be quiet once. I didn't like it. He showed up. What's the correlation? He showed up. And he created a sound. It was noised abroad. He was in the house. People are drawn to noises. And you know what? A noise is often self-announced. Meaning I don't have to see the maker to know what noise it is. Come on, somebody. Sound has a way of identifying itself. You don't have to see the train to know its whistle. Come on, somebody. You don't have to see the strike of lightning to know its sound. I may not see the dog, but if it barks. Amen. I may not see the maker, but I know the sound. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And another they will not follow. Now understand that a sound or a noise has as much to do with the hearer as it does with the maker. Why? Because sound can be made and not heard. If you're not positioned to hear, you won't hear the sound. Where your position will often determine what you hear and what you do not hear. Amen. A sound can be made and not responded to. We've got to respond to the presence of God. And the response is a sound. A sound responds to his incredible voice. He says, I came. Now I'm looking for a response. Now watch what happened, verse number two. Straightway, many were gathered. Why? Because the world is listening for a sound. As long as we congregate in our little churches and we act nice, amen, it's just going to be us. But can I tell you, when we start making a sound, there's a whole lot of siren chasers in our culture that are waiting for the church to make a sound. Oh, pastor, what are we going to do to see our world, our culture shifted, to see a harvest of souls like we've never seen? You start making a sound, and I promise you, there will be a gathering. The Bible said he showed up, they made a noise. All of a sudden, you couldn't get in the house. I prophesied. Messiah season change where your sound begins to fill the room and the moment your sound fills the room it will begin to draw Jesus said if I be lifted up 
I will draw all men unto me. Let's practice one more time. Somebody just lift up a sound because you know he's in his, you're in his presence. Hallelujah. Father, let there be a shift in the sound over the house. We need to hold each other accountable to a sound. How could we sit silent? When he breathed life into you and I, we became a speaking spirit. This is not a season for us to sit silent. This is a season for us to make a ruckus. Hallelujah. I was born for this kind of season because making a ruckus is my number one chief gift. Hallelujah. Jesus showed up, and a sound filled the city, and a gathering commenced. There is so much money spent on church growth strategy. We have a whole industry that is financially fed off church, goal, church growth strategy. You know, I found out the best way to grow my church is to get my church to make the right sound. The sound is overrated. No, it's not. You hear a sound, let me tell you something. There's something about a sound that draws the heart. There's something about a sound that grips the insides. And I can tell you this, when this house begins to omit a sound, there will be a gathering and you can guarantee it. I pray from the north, the south, the east, and the west, make this house of only believe a speaker and give us voices that declare there is a revival in the land. Oh, I want to shout it. These bones can live. These bones can live. Straightway they were gathered, and there was no room to receive them. And I like this. And he started delivering a word. Amen. You know what? When hungry people gather, I get tired of trying to force feed people. You know, you... I work all week to create a buffet. Hey Amen. I want to choke people when they come to my church. Hey Amen. But can I tell you, it's different when you preach to hungry people. You don't even have to try. You open up their, your mouth and their desperation reaches into your spirit and extracts a word from God. Oh, Lord, let a hunger for the word drop in the hearts of the people again that extracts the deep things and the hidden things of God. He preached the word to them. Now watch this. All of this is a succession that carries revelation, principled revelation for you and I. Verse number three, and they came to him bringing one sick of the palsy. Now I started to get into this last night, but palsy simply means that he was paralyzed, stuck, frozen, in a position, unable to move for himself. Everywhere he landed, he landed because someone else carried him there. Doesn't that sound like a whole lot of the church? 
I ministered to people last night stuck in patterns and seasons. You, It's not that you, do you think this young man wanted to be paralyzed? Nobody wants to be stuck. Why? Because we were made for movement. We were made for progression. We were made for purpose. We were made to move forward. This young man had been stuck like this for years. He could hear people talking. He just couldn't respond. We are living in the generation that is paralyzed by fear, by depression, by all kinds of things that keep them in patterns and cycles that hold them captive. But can I tell you when a sound gets made, hallelujah, freedom is near. Can you just touch a neighbor and say, freedom is near. Stuck, paralyzed. How many of you can say, honestly, Pastor, I've been in a season and a cycle where I've just felt frozen, paralyzed. It's not that I don't want to get out. Come on, let me see your hands. It's not that I don't want to move forward. It's not that I don't want to get out. You know what ends up happening is when you're paralyzed, it puts a lot of pressure on other people. I watched my granddad, my grandmother, my granddad preached the gospel for over 60 years. I watched as... They cut one of my grandmother's legs off. My granddad was healthy, man, well into his 80s. But the minute she was paralyzed, it put a lot of pressure. When we can't move, it puts pressure on our peers, on our family members. Why? Because somebody is always having to carry you. This young man had been paralyzed, unable to shift, to move. Watch this, because God gives each of us enough people for every corner of our bed. I want you to look around at some of the folks that have been standing at the corner of your bed. Can I tell you, this is a season where God is bringing to us enough people to man each corner. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what the family of faith is all about. I'm so thankful for the people in my life that refuse to leave me where they found me, that refuse to leave me alone to my own devices. Would you just praise God right now for the people who haven't, who have carried you in different seasons of your life? was one born of four. There was a man for every corner. God will never leave you without partners for all four corners of your bed. And here they came carrying this one who was paralyzed. Can I tell you, it's not just individuals that are paralyzed. Our ministries get paralyzed. Our ministries get stuck. We got groups that get in a position where they, they want to move, but they just can't seem to progress. There's always somebody that'll get under the load. And here they came. The problem was when they got there, the crowd was so big they couldn't get in the conventional way. The conventional way would have been to use the door. 
Can I tell you that God gives birth to visionaries that can see beyond convention. And what God is about to do is not conventional. What God is about to do is not traditional. Now this is going to hurt some people who've been in the way for a long time and you expect God to move a certain way and through certain people. Come on, there's some long-haired Nazarites coming. You better prick your ears up. They may not look like us and they may not smell like us. Hallelujah. But God is about to do some things in an unconventional fashion. The church gets stubborn. We want, it to, we want it to look like it's always looked. This is a new season. God's doing it in new ways, through new vessels, in unconventional fashions. Amen. Some of you older saints, well, you don't, you don't need certain things in church. Well, come on. Let me tell you something. Nine out of ten people that were born again around the world today were under the age of 18. We'd better start doing some things in an unconventional way. Hallelujah. The package does not matter. Only the contents are sacred. What we wrap it in may look unconventional. And we've got to have some visionaries that can see there's more than one way to get a generation to God. Oh, I know I knew the amens. Come on, amen. You help me. You got to help me over here. There's more than one way to get a generation to God. I said there's more than one way to get a generation to God. Oh, God, birth visionaries in the body of Christ that can see there is always a way. No matter what stands in our way, there is a way to pull a generation into the presence of God. I pray for youth leaders and children's workers in this house that God would give a brand new vision and a brand new dream. There is, listen, we've got to get them to God. That's not the question. You have these brothers who are so desperate to get this young man in God's presence that they get a vision of a very unconventional method. If we can't go through the door, we might as well tear the roof off. Woo! This is a tear the roof off kind of season. Oh, I said this is a tear the roof off kind of season. This is the kind of desperation that God is going to place. I only believe that says we don't care what we have to do. All we know is we got to uncover. We've got to uncover so we can reveal. There must be an uncovering. Can I, can I tell you, there's a work involved in tearing up the house. Oh, I know this is touchy. I better get over here to my amen section. Y'all, my strength tonight. There's work involved in tearing up the house. And you know what? Everybody doesn't improve when you, uh, approve when you start tearing up the house. There's a lot of people who look down their nose. Oh, I must be in trouble. I'm glad, I'm glad Pastor Dosik's out of, the, out of the country. Praise the Lord. God bless Pastor Dosik. He can fix this when he gets home. But when you start tearing up the house, there's a whole lot of people that look down their nose. There's a whole lot of people that says, it don't take all that. Why, why are you doing that? Why, why are you going through those motions? I'll tell you why. Because we've got a generation paralyzed that we've got to get to Jesus. And if we can't get through the door we've got a vision
tearing off the roof. Amen. Tearing up convention and tradition. Tearing up the old. Amen. Will it be easier to just come through the door? Yes, but when that's blocked, we don't take no for an answer. I got family. I can't take no for an answer. I got co-workers I've been assigned to. I cannot take no for an answer. I got people in my neighborhood that God has assigned me to that I cannot take no for an answer. And if I've got to go unconventional, that's exactly what I'll do. There's some people in this house. Listen, we got to fight for one another. We've got to fight for each other. I want, my, I want James to know, listen, when you get stuck, I'll tear the roof off for you. Hallelujah. When you get stuck, I'll go unconventional if I have to. But i got to get you to Jesus. All oh, for a church that would get this hungry. We don't care what damage uh, we, we cause to the house. What we care about is making sure that the one that is paralyzed gets a miracle. Amen. Let me move just one step further. I'm almost done. And when... They could not come nigh to him. They uncovered the roof. And when they had broken it up, just say this with me, the ceiling, the ceiling. can't hold us. Uh-huh. Can I tell you, God is about to reveal new levels to the body of Christ, but he can't reveal them until we get the roof off. The roof has been a covering that has caused us to be limited in our vision. Oh, I hear this, Holy Ghost. The roof has caused us to be limited in our vision. The people in the house, they couldn't see the next level. Why? Because of the roof. And if these had not torn the roof off, there would have been at least one that lay paralyzed that would have never gotten his miracle. God's got to reveal to us the people that are on the outside of the house. Oh, I hear this thing. People that are on the outside of the house that are desperate for us to do unconventional things to reveal the next level that he has for us. They tore the roof off. Listen to what Jesus said in verse number 5. And when Jesus saw their faith, watch this. We talk a lot about having faith, what faith is, what it looks like, how we utilize our faith, what the walk of faith is. We teach on how to live in the faith that we have in the word of God, in the person of Jesus Christ, in the finished sacrifice of the cross. But notice, Jesus is not moved by the one who is paralyzed. He was not moved by his faith. You know why? He was not operating in faith. You know this? That we can operate in such faith that others can be transformed not by their own faith, but by the faith we exhibit in the methods that we use. Jesus was moved. He was moved. 
He was moved at people that had a vision to go unconventional. Pastor Phil, I pray for some unconventional methods. I'm talking about dreams of how to win Kenton, Ohio to the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for a fresh anointing that would fall on you. Hallelujah. And when you start telling people that you're about to tear the house up, you're going to get some people that look down their nose. Don't let that stop you. Tear the roof off. Show them a new level. Sometimes, talking to someone in here this, this evening, we can't get to God by ourselves. David said, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Sometimes I can't get there by myself. Oh, I'm thankful for the moments in my life where I've had some people grab the bed corner and say, I'm going to help you get to God. It doesn't matter. Hallelujah. What we have to do, I'm going to get you to God. Can I tell you, there's some folks in our city that need us to operate in such visionary faith that God is moved not by their faith, but by ours. And when he saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, watch this, son, whoo, I like this, amen. He's speaking in faith now. He wasn't a son yet, but he was going to be. I wonder how many sons he has marked in Botkins, Ohio that are waiting for a church to tear their roof off and get a vision that's unconventional. Hallelujah. He said, son, I love that. This was not yet a son, but he was about to be a son. How many of you know some people on the job that God has marked? They don't know it yet, but they're sons. How many of you know some people in the neighborhood? They don't know it yet, but they're sons. How many of you know some people, hallelujah, at the, at the Kroger? Do you all have Kroger in Ohio? Okay, at the Kroger. Right across the street from our church is a Kroger, and I live right down the street, so that's the Kroger I shop in. Amen. And I'm one of those, I like to go shopping when I'm hungry. How many knows what I'm talking about? Stephanie hates to let me go to the grocery store. She will send me with a list and she will give me strict orders. Only what is on the list, Harrison Jr. Do not come home with anything that is not on this list. When I get good and hungry, that's when I like to go shopping. I mean, I can concoct 22 meals while I'm walking through the... Ooh, this sounds good. There's a little, uh, there's a little young lady who ha ha had a family that was in our church that worked at that Kroger. And so I, I, I don't... I'm a pastor, and my mission field used to be uh, my, kids football, my kids' sporting endeavors. I, I used to get to be missional as a football dad, as a cheerleading dad, as a field hockey dad. Well, when my kids stopped playing sports, I lost my mission field. <laughs> Amen. How many knows what I'm talking about? I lost the place where I was personally, right? I don't just believe that I ought to call people from my pulpit to repentance. I believe that I ought to be involved personally in a missional lifestyle. If I'm trying to turn out missionaries, and can I tell you, you don't have to leave the country to go on a missions trip. 
There's 195 million people in the United States of America who do not go to church anywhere. And if you, and if you added that up, that would be the fifth largest country in the world. You can go on a missions trip and never leave Botkins. Amen. I don't believe we ought to go on missions trip. I think we ought to get on one we never come home from. Amen. 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 Well, this young lady had a troubled past, a family that was worried, pastor pray. Well, I started going to the grocery more often. And I'd look for her. I don't know what they thought I was doing in there, but I walked every aisle. I'm trying to see where she was. And every time I saw her, I started speaking the word to her. I envisioned myself being one of these brothers getting up under her bed corner. I said, Lauren, she don't have any faith yet, but she's a daughter you put your hand on. And the other day, she came, got saved, and I baptized her. Come on, somebody. Why? Why? Because God has marked some, oh, God, help me preach this thing. God has marked some people long before they knew it. He put his hand and he claimed them. Son, thy sins are forgiven. Now, if I'd have been there, you know, because I got a little smart aleck in me, I'd have said, Lord, hold up. <laughs> I appreciate you being a redeemer and all, but this young man needs a healing. We are always most concerned with the fruit and less concerned with the root. But see, God will not fix your symptoms. God has to deal with the root issue. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. There's some people who have been living paralyzed in fear. I need some musicians on the platform. You have been paralyzed in a cycle and in a pattern. And what you want is for God to deal with your symptoms. Can I tell you that the Holy Ghost is in this room and he's not dealing with symptoms. He's dealing with the root of the problem. God said, I can deal with your symptoms, but you'll be back in this shape again if I don't get down to the root of the issue. He said, son, thy sins are forgiven. God has to dive to the root of the problem. He's got to get down to the root of what we are dealing with. I speak to your root situation in here tonight. You say, Pastor, I need, I, need, I need to be free of fear. Fear is a fruit. It's not a root. We've got to dive and get to the place where we find complete and absolute deliverance. And you understand you have to participate in that deliverance. Man, Jesus said, Son, your sins are forgiven. I like this. Verse number 11. You ready? Here's, here's the words of Christ. He says, I say unto you, why? Because everything in the kingdom is preceded by a sound. I say unto you, arise. This is always the first step of deliverance. What is it? Getting up. Ministries have to get up. Individuals have to get up. All over this room tonight, there are people, last night I know because I lined the altar with people who were in cycles and patterns that they wanted to break free from. How many of you are in this house right now? You say, Pastor, I, I've been frozen in a season and my heart is desperate. Can I tell you, there's freedom in this place. 
I'm about to declare arise. Amen. We can lay in our difficulty. We can lay in seasons that God is trying to move us beyond. Tomorrow night I'm going to lay hands on everybody here that wants hands laid on and we're going to agree. But right now I want to deal with some folks who have been paralyzed. All over this house. Can we just worship for just a moment? I feel the presence of God in this place. Paralyzed in marriage. Paralyzed in your finances. Paralyzed in a physical condition. Paralyzed spiritually. Unable to move forward. You want to feel God. You want to touch God. But you're absolutely dead on the inside. Can I tell you, you don't have to stay in that condition. You've got a very unconventional preacher in the house tonight. Hallelujah. And I've come to tear the roof off for somebody and lower you down into the presence of God and tell you that there is a deliverance in the room for you. There's freedom in this place. Come on, let's worship him. Chains fall, fear bow here. Now, Jesus, you change everything. Chains fall, fear. Hey! Hey! Sing, girls. Help! Here now, here now. We believe in Jesus. Oh, chains. Here now, here now, Jesus. One more time. Chains. stay. Here now. If you're in this place, I want to minister to individuals tonight, tomorrow night. I want to. I want to minister to the whole. I feel, I was in the hotel room praying this afternoon. I feel an old-fashioned thing happening in here tomorrow night. I feel like spreading oil from stem to stern. Amen. But tonight I want to minister to individuals who are desperate. Remember, you have to participate in your own deliverance. You're in this place and you say, Pastor... I feel paralyzed. It's not that I don't want to move. I don't want to move forward. Listen, pain in your past can derail you from purpose in your future. Some of you are stuck in a cycle and a season of emotion and loss and pain. Difficulty in your past has so blinded you that you do not see a way through. Can I tell you, I'm in here to tear the roof off the house tonight. Shut up, I stayed a little. Do I have any other roof terror offers in the room tonight? We're going to sing this one more time. This is the part where you have to participate. I, I was just getting, Pastor Phil, to the part the young man now had to respond and participate. Get up. Take up your bed. 
Why? Because your deliverance will not come until you get determined to play a part in it. This is your part. I want you to come. I want you to come. Can we pray first? Because I just feel there's a, there's a, there's something that is withstanding, something that would hold. Father, I break every chain. I break every fetter. I loose every captive in the room. Father, there's folks in the house that are about to move for the first time, about to progress for the first time in a long time. Let the prison door swing open. If you're in this room and you say, Pastor, you're preaching to me and I'm ready tonight to hear the word of the Lord I'm ready to get up I want you to run to this altar quickly quickly come on come on crowd hey Jesus you change everything for Bow here right now, right now, right now, yeah. Chains. Come on, lift those hands. Here now. Hey. Chains. Fear bow. Just release that thing. That's it. It's here. Let it go. That's it. Let it go out of your mouth. Look at me. I could see it in your eyes. I'm preaching right at you. There's a desperation and that's a good thing. Wanting to be free so that you can progress into the destiny and future God's called you to is always the first step. God has a difficult time freeing those who are not desperate. I'm going to lay hands on you tonight. Two things are going to happen. The first is a healing because I feel like there is something in your heart that needs healed first. I don't know what it is in your past that has wounded you deeply and desperately, but tonight God said, I have brought you to a place of healing first. Do you hear me? There is a healing that is coming. And secondly, there is a launching forth. God is about to give you a kickstart into your future. Sometimes we need a push, and tonight you're going to get one. Father, I pray in the name that is above every name. I hear you, Holy Ghost. I pray that you would speak a divine healing from the top of her head to the sole of her feet. I don't care what the wound is. Tonight it gets healed, and tonight we get over it, and tonight we receive and offer forgiveness. And Father, 
Father, I pray for a kickstart into a divine, a divine future that starts with joy right now. Can I get a hundred people to shout for me? I'm ready. Let it commence tonight. I'm ready, Jesus. Receive now. Shalabashti. Lift your hands. Come on, sing it, church. Sing it. Life change. Yes, Lord. Jesus. Now, Jesus. Hey! Shalomos de la Baha. Amen. I want to I want to just speak a word to your spirit and I pray that it's not my words. I pray that your spirit hears the voice of God speaking to you. In this text, you will notice that Jesus did not lay hands Though he laid hands on many and they were healed, in this context, he did not lay hands on this one that was paralyzed. The Bible said he said, arise. The hope that we need. Can you imagine how hopeless this situation is? Well, some of you can. Because you're standing at this altar recognizing that you are in a paralyzed season. Whether it's caused by fear or depression or by 
what's happening in your finances, in your marriage, spiritually just not able to move forward? How many of you feel like you need a jump start spiritually so that you can move forward into the destiny God's called you to? I, I want to just, I want to command what is in you to get up. And when you hear it, there must be a response. And I know it may be a symbolic response, but I want there to be a response. I want there to be movement. Amen. You say, well, Pastor, I, I don't feel anything. Well, I don't know if the paralyzed boy felt anything or not, but his spirit heard the right words. Arise! And the Bible said, immediately. I tell you, there's about to be a right now thing happen in this room. I'm going to hear testimonies about it too. I want to hear, I want to hear, I want to hear what God is doing in this absolute exact moment. Immediately, the Bible says that he arose, took up his bed. Father, I ask you tonight. For marriages, for finances, for physical situations, for spiritual things, Father, where we feel paralyzed and in patterns and cycles that have debilitated our progress and our forward movement. I speak to you tonight, and when your spirit hears these words, I want you to move, dance, shout, whatever it is you feel like doing, but I want to speak those words to you tonight. This is the last night that you are paralyzed in a season of fear. I cry to you, arise from that bed. Arise from that bed. You have been made whole and free. Oh!
Shalabose. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Listen to this, and immediately, our faith is not tied to a feeling. It is tied to a revelation. I just want you to say that. My faith is not tied to a feeling. My faith is tied to a revelation. Faith is what you know. Faith is what you know. In our ministry right now, we're just in this season where words are so important. And we've started holding each other accountable. When somebody asks you how you feel, I, I can't tell you, but let me tell you what I know. Tonight, some of you, I, I, I know sometimes what we want, we want freedom to feel like freedom. And sometimes freedom doesn't feel like freedom. Your faith is not tied to a feeling. We're going to do this one more time. We're going to give, give us an opportunity to shout. And I'm going to get you out on time so I can lay hands and spread oil and prophesy all night tomorrow night. But I want to tell you, some of you are waiting on a feeling. You don't need a feeling. You have a revelation. And you have a word from God. And that word is arise. The moment the words came out of his mouth. Just like on the day of creation. What he sent that word to do was accomplished. And tonight I speak arise over your spirit. This is your get up moment. This is your time to be free from the cycle, free from the pattern, free from the fear, free from the spirit that has held you captive. I speak over you once again tonight. This is your get up moment. Arise. Your freedom is at hand. Somebody give God Second, somebody give God a crazy praise. Give him a crazy praise. Give him a radical praise. Give him a I got up tonight and I'm not oh I'm not laying back in that bed. Listen to me. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night we're gonna sew this thing up. We're gonna agree in faith. Here's what I want you to do. Because tomorrow night is not just individual. It is a corporate anointing that I believe God is going to release in the house. First of all, get on the phone. Those that you know need freedom from a pattern or a cycle. A get up moment. 
here's what's incredible, and I'm going to minister this tomorrow night. But Jesus said, rise, take up your bed. He said, I'm going to give you mastery over what has mastered you. Because the thing that carried you in here, I'm going to give you strength to carry it out. And the second significant thing, and I'm going to deal with this tomorrow night, this is the power of this thing. He said, I want you to take this and go home. A lot of us can find victory at church. But can I tell you, this is a thing God is going to empower us to take home. It's going to permeate our homes quickly to your seats, quickly to your seats. I'm, I'm under assignment for one more thing before I let you go. It's 8.36. I said I would have you out at 8.30. I lied by six minutes. But I tried. I tried hard. Listen to me tonight. I just want to speak over you. Let me tell you what's about to show up. That beautiful smile. You're going to have a hard time in the next seven days wiping that off your face. The joy of the Lord that is, I don't know, you might laugh yourself to sleep tonight. Healing and a kickstart. And it's going to show up in a residue of joy. And when the devil comes to try to remind you, I want the joy of the Lord to rise up and you laugh in his face. There is a spirit of laughter that is going to overtake your life. The things, God says, the things that used to make you cry in the name of Jesus, you're going to put a smile on your face. The things that used to bring fear, God said, I'm about to produce a joy in the face of it. I feel that. How many of you need a reservoir of joy to be released in your life tonight? This is what I feel like doing. I want to sow a get up seed. Tonight, if you were not one that came to the altar, but there's someone in your family, job, neighborhood, I want to sow a get-up seed tonight. It's 2020. I've been instructing my congregation all year. Sow in multiples of 20. Everybody in the room. And I don't want one person to be left out because there's power in unity. And let me tell you something. There's some miracles that are tied to the whole group walking in obedience. I want every person in this room to put a seed in your hand. I'm not going to tell you what it is tonight. That is usually not my way. I felt strongly last night about what to sow I want every person in this room to respond in faith if what you are sowing right now what you've written what you if it doesn't require faith for you to sow it try again there are some people that are connected to your miracle I want you to notice this the miracle that Jesus did if you're not careful he wastes a whole chapter and you'll think it was about one man a half chapter, you'll think it's about one man. But you know what? The people that saw the miracle, it was as much about them as it was about him. 
There are some people that you have been assigned to and your breakthrough will be the thing that breaks them through. Every person in the room, all the way to the back, I wish you all would congregate in one area. I tell you what, I wear myself out trying to... Amen. Pick a, pick a section, would you? Oh, a little exercise. That's what I need? Okay. Well, I'm getting it. Have you got your seed? Because I feel faith in the house tonight. There has been revelation released, and you can attach faith now in an act of sacrifice. Every person in the room, every person in the room responding. Amen. If you need to borrow some, go ahead. Get across the aisle. Say, come on, help me tonight. Help me. Oh, they, they're saying they can borrow it from you. Well, he's got plenty, so just if you need to seed. Amen. I want you to hold it up because I want to pray over it before you bring it. I want to attach my faith to this thing. James, I want to sow tonight $100. I want to sow $100 tonight. Amen. How many of you are believing for some stuff to move? Not only in your now, but in your future. I want you to know tonight that I'm standing here needing a money miracle in my ministry. I'm going to sow because I need something to move. And the only way I know to get it to move is to act in faith according to the revelation that I've been given and hear the word of God that said, get up. And I need a get up. Amen. I've got a building project. I need to get off the ground tonight. Amen. I'm attaching my faith to this thing. I don't know what it is that you, you need in your life that needs to move. I need this thing to move in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you ready? Let's pray. Ushers, are you bringing the buckets? Come on, bring them. Because we're coming like a flood. And we're going to shout as we sow. And we're going to move something we couldn't move before because we are responding to the declared word of the Lord. Come on, hold up that seed. Father, tonight we stand in faith. We declare over our seed, this is a get-up seed. This is a seed that moves that thing in my life that I'm desperate to see move. I'm tired of the being paralyzed. I'm tired of being frozen in time. My future is waiting and tonight I sow in faith believing that I hear the word of God and that everything in my life must respond to that word. If you believe it, shout amen. Get out of your seat, run to this altar and sow your seed.